You've tuned in to a four-headed sausage production. Don't touch that dial. Stay tuned in because your favorite program is coming up next. Listen, listen, guys. Listen, listen, brother. Listen, listen. Listen to me, brother. After this, we're going to get double burgers and steak because I'm hungry, guys. I'm very hungry. I'm hungry to know what's on his mind today. Listen, listen. You listen now because he's going to tell you what's on his mind. You listen. Listen to this, brother. Welcome back to... Well, just welcome back to the show. I've had a bit of a layoff, had a bit of a two-week layoff. If you don't know, in uh, in hospitality, generally for the last two weeks, you're pretty, you're pretty, uh, oh, excuse me, you're pretty flat chat, which is because uh, it's the Easter break and the Easter holidays. It um, it gets really, really, really busy, and it doesn't leave you much time to do uh, extra things with your life, which really is uh detrimental for you guys, the listen, listeners, the audience for me to come back on and convey some points and talk about some stuff. But listen, I got some good things. I've had my birthday. I'm, I'm 30. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, it couldn't, it couldn't have gone better. And, um, my wife actually got me some, uh, some, some merch, some merch. Hey, Hey man, you get, you got some merch. I got like a cool, t-shirt and a um and a coffee mug that has like the my mind with Stephen taylor logos on it which is pretty cool it's a, it's like a step in the right direction if uh hey look if you want some hey hey you guys hey listen listen dial in dial in dial in you guys want some merch yeah you you want some merch then all you gotta do is i don't know i don't actually know what you do how do you get how do you I'll put it up. I'll put it on the social medias, and we'll see where we go from there. And maybe, maybe we'll do a like a raffle. No, we won't do a raffle because I don't want anything. No, but you guys do. You guys want merch, right? No, we'll figure out a way. I'll, I'll figure out a way, um, or more or less, I'll get my wife to work out a way that'll make it easy. Or my son, he's really good at like trying to sell merch. That's the first thing he said to me when, when I got it. He was like, he he said it with an American accent. He's always like, dad, you got some merch. You got some sick merch, dad. <laughs> Maybe not that American, but he did say it like quite American, which I thought was pretty funny. But what's been happening? Has it been all right? Are we still answering back? You know, are we at that point yet? Because I am good. And I know, I know you guys listen and are probably going, yeah, I'm good. Well, I'm happy you're good. If you're not good, that's no good. You know, remember, you can always talk to someone. You can always talk back to me doing this because I, I'm basically doing that to me. I'm talking and I answer myself. So it's okay if you guys answer me because then it's less weird if I'm talking and then you go, yeah, you know what? I agree. That's a good point, Stefan. And then it, it'll feel like we're in a conversation, but... I won't be there and I won't know where you are. But, you know, obviously, if you're driving and listening to this, please do take care on the roads. Don't um, fully engage. Just like half engage. Don't, you know, don't fully commit, half commit to the, um, to the conversational act that we, um, 
that we shall have soon. Or now. How are you? I'll pause. How are you going? That's really, really good. I'm very happy to hear that. How's the weather? It has also been sunny and somewhat rainy slash snowy slash windy. Trying to cover all the bases of what the weather could be. Yeah. Yeah. I try. But there's sometimes, you know, sometimes when you're in, when you're meeting new people, you just kind of got to, you got to talk about the small stuff first. Like you can't just dump into hard, hard topics. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sometimes I do agree. I do agree. Sometimes it is. Um, sometimes it's good to get people's opinions on like those harder topics, but sometimes it's just nice to know what the weather's like. Yeah, we don't need to get defensive. I'm just asking. You know, it's just making the small talk because we don't know each other. We don't know each other. I'm just asking how the weather is. Oh, I'm getting cranky. I'm not getting cranky. I'm not angry. I just want to tell, I was just telling you and letting you know about the nuances of a conversation is that sometimes you need to talk about small things before you try and jump at me with some hard hitting topics. Yeah, sometimes it's nice to talk about the weather. Well, I think it is. Yeah, the weather is good. Yeah, it's been all right. Lots of rain, but lots of sun as well. Yeah, a bit of a mix. And you've been good? <laughs> Classic, of course. Of course you'd be doing that. I mean, what else would you do with your free time? Yeah, I'm much the same. Yeah, I try to do it. All right, catch up next time. Maybe tomorrow. For sure. See you, mate. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Uh, uh, you know, the dream is that you do interact with it, but if you don't and you're just like listening to this going, what is he doing? You know, that's okay as well. You know, um, either way, it's all good. So what's been happening? Well, the Oscars are this week. They're coming on uh, Sunday. So that means it's live Saturday in America. And then it's on Sunday for Australia. It's usually on Sunday at, oh, it's really late. I think it's like 10 o'clock or something like that. But I'm very excited. I cannot wait. I'm very excited to see who pulls away with the best actor. I'm very, very interested to know. I'm very interested to see if Anthony Hopkins can snag another Oscar. Because I don't think he actually got one for... Best Actor. I know he got one for Best Supporting Actor in Science of the Lambs. I think actually, you you know, quote me if I'm wrong on this, but he actually got an, uh, he's gotten like an Oscar for like one of the shortest appearances on film because total collectively in Science of the Lambs, he's only on screen for something like 18 minutes or so. Don't quote me on that, but it's like, it's definitely under 25 minutes. He's only on screen a total of 18 minutes and he got an Oscar for like best supporting actor. I'm pretty sure, you know, like it's quite the milestone and that just tell, that just speaks volumes of Anthony Hopkins chops. So if you don't know what he got nominated for, he got nominated for the father, the father where he basically plays, um, a, um, a, a dude, like I'm pretty sure it's dementia. Mm, 
yeah, I'm pretty sure he suffers with dementia and they're like trying to get him out of the house and like his daughter's trying to take care of him. And yeah, it's a bit of a heart. It's a bit of a tearjerker, but um, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to um, to see if he gets it over um, Chadwick Boseman, who rest in power, uh, untimely, unfortunately passed away. Um, and he, his movie that he got nominated for, nominated for was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which, you know, is... Um, it's still a good film. Uh, uh, I, I watched it, uh, like I said, no, a, a while ago, and it was good. It was a good performance, but I wouldn't say. I think it's the more of what it implied made it more powerful than the actual like acting of Chadwick Boseman. I'm not saying he didn't do a good job. I'm saying that um, it was more the circumstances that made it like more of a good job. Does that make sense? It's like when, um, similar to like Schindler's list, it was like the circumstances around, like what the movie set around makes, um, what the actors say, or rather what's written in the script in those moments, like, cause of the setting, it makes them seem more powerful than they actually are. Does that make sense? So like, if, you know, if it's a dream, if it's a, if it's a, say like, if it was a, a sci-fi movie and there was no like, um, it was a world with like no discrimination against other races and casual and full on racism. And you did that, you know, the same, and it wasn't like the same setting as like the 1920s or thirties. I think it's like the 1930s. I think it's after prohibition. I can't remember, but it's like, you know, it's that time. It's around that era. And imagine like it's in space. It's not in the 1920s and you you do like the same performance. Like I don't think it carries the same weight. And obviously (laughs) it's a silly thing to say, but I think it's more of the circumstances of like where the film set that makes the acting seem more powerful than it. I'm not saying that it don't get hung up on me saying that Chadwick Boseman is a bad actor because he's not, he's really not. And I'm not even speaking from how he was in the black Panther movies. Like he was really good. The five bloods, like the spike Lee joint, that is probably, that's probably one of my favorite films of the last like three years. You know, like, um, who's the guy that I like that I wanted to get nominated? The guy that I wanted to get nominated for Best Actor was Delroy Lindo over Chadwick Boseman. Like, I feel like he he didn't even get nominated. Like, Spike Lee, I mean, I tip my hats here because you're taking it like a champ because that was a really good movie. I, I'm, you know, I'm not a decorated film reviewer or whatever, but to, like, someone that has watched films most of his life and has watched a fair portion of like uh, Vietnam based films and even like, you know, done a bit of like research on the whole Vietnam war and scenario and surrounding and the artists that were around at the time, that kind of stuff. Like it's a good film. It's a really good film. And Chadwick, I feel like Chadwick Boseman does a better job. I feel like he's better once again, it's all time and circumstances that make the acting more powerful. But I feel like on like acting chops, like Chadwick Boseman does a better job in The Five Bloods 
than he does in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Like I like Chadwick Boseman's character a lot more in um, The Five Bloods over, um, I can't remember the name, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And yeah, I, I think Del Rio Lindo should have at least got, like he didn't even get nominated at the Golden Globes, I don't think, eh? I really, you know, I'm really sad that that movie didn't get as much traction as it should have because it was such a good film. And it's, I don't, I like Spike Lee films, you know, I think they're really good and they're really, um, they've always got a strong message, but they're always easy to watch. Like he has that cool film style of where he can match in like, you know, a little bit of humor, but still be taken serious. Like it's not, it's the movie's not a joke. Or his movies aren't a joke, but like he he has a he has like a good film style, similar to how um, how James Gunn or like Shane Black do their movies. I find their like directing style quite similar to a certain degree. Shane Black's like a bit more f- like fast talking, you know, like he tries to capture more um, more dialogue based comedy where like James Gunn's it's more situational based comedy in like action films. So like, instead of it being a hardcore action film, he makes that, that comedy action transition really, really well. Like what he did to like guardians of the galaxy was like, he made these serious, serious actor, no, not serious actors, serious characters and like humanize them, even though this is the crazy thing, even though the characters are from space, (laughs) He like has this way of making them feel like, you know, you know, those people and, you know, exactly, even though they talk about space and all that kind of stuff and they talk about their experiences on the planet Xandar and stuff like that, like it makes you feel like they do, you know, live where you live, you know, obviously without the crazy accents and the purple skin and stuff, but you know, he does a good way of like humanizing it as well as like Shane Black they all feel like they're from like this certain part of the neighborhood and everybody knows everybody. And that's how they can like drum up that dialogue together. But those actors, those directors, sorry, do a really good job. I think like Shane Black wrote, um, he wrote Demolition Man back in the nineties and um, Lethal Weapons. I'm pretty sure he did Lethal Weapons. Um, yeah, he wrote, ooh, he wrote number one and two, I want to say. Anyway, he did the Iron Man movie, Iron Man 3. He did that and you can see like, you know, he puts that crazy twist in and you can see like structurally the dialogue is so different to like John Favreau's Iron Man. Even though John Favreau's Iron Man is really good. Like I'm tangenting here, guys, I'm tangenting, but like, John, I'm sorry if it's a little boring talking about the movie stuff, but obviously, you know, it's Oscars time. You got to talk about the Oscars and talk about like movies and movie influences and, and all that kind of stuff. Like you got to, you got to talk about film and, and the love of film. We'll get on, um, Gary Oldman and David Fincher soon. I, I promise, but we've got to, we've got to talk about some Oscars stuff, right? We're going to talk about some other directors and how they've like, help change um, how how action is really like really like Shane Black and James Gunn have really changed the way like action is like if you look at like a Zack Snyder film it's just like really really dark and 
gritty and like look at 300 his first like feature film plays the same way as like um the superman dawn of justice is that the movie no i think it's just superman man of steel man of steel man of steel man of steel but like you can see like a lot of similarities in like and it's not like i'm not, I'm not saying it's derogatory either i'm saying that his that's his style of film like look at sucker punch as well like when he did sucker punch they're um they're very similar in the way how they're directed and there's certain things that he wants you to focus on like Zack snyder he like does these like really like the the scene in 300 spoiler alert where um it's at the very end and leonidas throws the spear at um um xerxes and like you know makes him bleed like proves that he like makes you focus on that spear and the dramatization of the spear going and like drawing blood from Xerxes. And like, that's like a pivotal point, even though it's at the end of the film, it's a pivotal point in the film, you know? So like, um, he, he's done this really, that, that's like a traditional kind of, or, or more, it's more traditional action now than to how like action was like say predator where it's like, it's, hardcore action but it's more of a comedy now and it's not more of a comedy but it's like it has funny things like you know like the what's the they do the handshake with the Arnold Sorker and that guy and he's like uh, I, I won't say it because I don't I don't just try to I try to limit my um explicits on here but he's like you son of a gun you know I can't remember um uh but yeah so like that's like more traditional. And then like the evolution of like action in the nineties slowly turned into like action comedy. And then in the early two thousands, like a lot more like action comedy became more prevalent. And I think like James Gunn and Shane Black, they've done like real, a really, really good job of blending seriousness with playfulness. Eh? Like they've done this really, really awesome job. They've really nailed, um, how to be serious in a film and how to bring out that light and fluffy side to it as well. So it's like even more relatable. Like the, the thing is about film and that you got to understand is that everything has to be relatable. Like you want to create a film for 99% of people or even a hundred percent of people. Like, like everybody can watch the Titanic and it's got a little bit, of everything for everybody. You know what I mean? Like it's a very broad film, you know, like the only thing, and it's a true story as well. So like people can relate to that or the the love story between Rose and Jack, you know, people relate to that or like the epic action of the boat splitting in two, you know, people can relate to that, you know, like, and there's also like, I relate to the music that they play down the deck, you know, like they play that cool Irish jig music and I like that. That's, um, that's my favorite part where she's like, um, <laughs> what does he say? Rose, take my hand. <laughs> oh, I can't dance, Jack. Quick, quick, Rose, take my hand. <laughs> and then they start dancing. Um, that's my favorite part. Cause that's like a really joyous part. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily like James Cameron all that much for some reason. It's just something about him that I, I don't like personally, but he, um, you know, 
he does do a really good job making that film. I think the, there was like really cringy moment that just sticks in my head all the time was where he won the Oscar for it. He won Best Picture. I think it raked up nine Oscars. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I think oh, I'll say six confidently, but it may have been nine, you know. He, he won a lot of Oscars for it. I think... Um, I think that's where he does hold it over the Avengers as well. Is that like he won Oscars for Avatar? Because well, Avatar's now, if you don't know now, you know. Um, Avatar was the highest grossing film in box office history at um, over a billion dollars, its duration in box office. When um, Avengers dropped, Avengers Endgame the last Avengers, it, it beat it by about a hundred million, which is when you're talking billions and hundred millions, like isn't all that much, it beat it. And then this is how like vindictive, this is why I don't like James Cameron a little bit, right? He re-released, he re-released Avatar and that made, and that like continued on its streak. It wasn't released as a separate movie. It was a re-release of Avatar, the same card to like today's audience and then it made more money and um, beat Avengers. So Avengers Endgame sits at number two. And I don't know if Marvel are going to like do the same tactic. I don't think they should because like they should just cop it and just feel like whatever, James Cameron, you're such a, you're such a dweeb sometimes. Anyway, so like he, the, the thing that like gives it like more credibility is that he won, um, he's won the Oscars like the Anthony um, the, the Russo brothers. Cause I can't remember the other one. It's Anthony and someone I can't remember, but the Russo brothers never won Oscars for like the Avenger films. And like rightfully so, like, you know, th- there's a, there's a place in a category now for those superhero movies where uh, obviously there's the exception that like Joaquin Phoenix and, Heath Ledger both won Oscars for like their roles as the Joker, which essentially is a part of a superhero movie and a superhero genre. But I think like those campy kind of like superhero movies, like they don't need, you don't really need to, um, to give them the awards. Like it's more for like fan adoration, like especially like a lot of Marvel films, it's more for, like what a lot of people have been reading, like reading in the comics. Like, I think that's how like Stan Lee would have wanted it. He wouldn't have wanted to like win all those Oscars and awards. Like he just wants Marvel fans to be happy with the content that's made. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I think. I think rest in power, Stan Lee. But, um, I, I, I digress. <laughs> uh, it was a long, long way. Um, a long point, but like James Cameron, like he, when he won the Oscar, he like said the same thing. Um, <laughs> um, Leonardo DiCaprio's buddy says, he's like, I'm on top of the world, you know? And it's like, Oh, really? Really? Actually a fun fact. Um, when Avatar was nominated for best picture, do you know what film beat it? It was a little film called, no, you don't know. I'll tell you, I'll let you know. It was a little film was starring Jeremy Renner and Anthony Mackey. Um, and it, it had John Hamm in it. I want to say, is it? No, Guy Pierce. It was Guy Pierce. Actually, it wasn't John Hamm, but, um, they were in it and, um, it was called the hurt locker and it was about a bomb squad in Afghanistan and their, um, rotation of tour. 
epic movie, crazy good movie, like really, really good style. And that one at that year. Um, and the woman that directed it, her name is Catherine Bigelow, right? And Catherine Bigelow is uh, James Cameron's ex-wife. <laughs> so it was like the perfect, every time I, I like talk about that story, it just makes me feel so good that like his ex-wife was able to take the Oscar away from him, you know, like from him, like pouring all this money and effort into like Avatar and then just for his ex-wife to make like a smaller budget film that had like good grounds and good story and like really, really good acting. And Ralph Fiennes is actually in it. So Fiennes or Fiennes? Fiennes or Fiennes? You don't, you don't Fiend, you don't Fiend, you know? But he, um, he, he's actually in it and he does a really good job as well. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. It's a cool moment. Like it's like, she's on top of the world now, really, you know? And she did Zero Dark Thirty and uh seal team six no is that a movie or is that just the team that took down i don't think that's a movie Stefan. you sure yeah i'm pretty sure no it is a movie it is it is it is it is but that was the other film that they made she did zero dark 30 and then someone else did seal team six i'm pretty sure yeah not to get too political but it was a good movie I like Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, it definitely. I definitely thought it was gonna be a lot more patriotic. Yeah, because you know sometimes when it's an American film and it's got like American influences, it just becomes like really, really patriotic. Even the uh, excuse me, uh, even the the Tom Cruise one. <laughs> This is how like American Tom Cruise is like he made a movie or he didn't make it. He starred in a movie called Born on the 4th of July. (laughs) And it's about like an American war vet. It's actually really sad. Go watch it. It's a really good film. Um, I could not tell you off the top of my head who directed it. Well-known director, I'm pretty sure. I feel like it was was someone who worked with uh, Tom Cruise before. yeah, it, it was around the time of like Days of Thunder and um, Born on the 4th of July, I'm pretty sure. Um, Brian Larkin? No, no. Oliver Stone. It was Oliver Stone. Yeah, yeah. Oliver Stone directed it. Mm, he didn't do Days of Thunder. <laughs> I think he, he did um, uh, Platoon and um, Natural Born Killers and savages remember savages savages was pretty good it was a bit um anyway this is a tight this <laughs> full disclaimer now this is a full-on movie one man hey because i you know i love talking about movies and i love i love it i love it um yeah so he's in this movie like born on the fourth of july and like even though uh, i think oliver stone is like a vietnam veteran um, and it, it plays a lot on his experiences as well. Similar, similar to Platoon, Platoon plays out like a lot. Um, how he describes it is like some of the stuff he's seen, you know, and um, yeah, un- unfortunately it wasn't all that nice because I guess, oh, look, I'm not a, a veteran or, and, and nor will I try and put myself in their shoes or try and um, 
Um, yeah, because you know, it's it's I, I I can't say I can't I can't talk on those experiences. Like it's not something I'll uh, you know touch wood ever experience in my lifetime. Is something as chaotic and crazy as um, a war scenario and like. You know, there's like a younger person in everybody that says, you know, I'd love to do that, but I'm quite happy not to as well. Like I'm, I'm very happy being just, just living what, just living life doing other things. You know, I think that's a, that's a great thing as well, isn't it? Really, like when you don't have to um, go to war, like that's crazy. That's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing for like your government to ask of a person. It's like, will you willingly go to a country to defend, um, to defend our right to party? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> to defend our rights as people against what someone's, um, against what someone has kind of grouped in as a detriment to human society, you know, or, or someone that's deemed not an upstanding citizen. You know, it's crazy. It's a crazy thing to like wrap your head around. And, you know, obviously there's patriotic enough people that'll just go wherever, you know, they're um, where anybody will send them um, when they're enlisted in that military. But, you know, you got you got to think that's crazy. That's a crazy thing, you know. Anyway, so we'll, we'll stop talking about that stuff and we'll bring it back. So... Today I did this great thing. I, um, my wife and I, we share a desk. Well, she, she's like 80% owner of the desk, you know, cause she's doing like, um, she, she's studying at the moment. So she's do, she uses it primarily for study and I only use it to do this thing. Like, you know, two or two or three hours a week, if that, so. I wanted to be comfortable here. And we, we have this like decent desk. It's like a, I don't know, it's white. It's decent. It holds stuff. You know, you know, it's a good desk when you can put stuff on it and stuff doesn't fall down. <laughs> no, that means it's a great desk. It's, that's a good sign. It's a good desk. But um, yesterday, oh, sorry, today, I, um, I was like, well, what can make me sitting here like better? And I was like, well, a better chair. Cause you know, it's just like a, you know, one of those random chairs that you just kind of accumulate. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, I'll just scull that bit of coffee there. Whoo, whoo, baby, baby, baby. All right. So we just, we just had like a, a normal chair just kicking around. So I was like, well, I'm going to go get a chair. I'm going to get a nice chair. And, you know, it took me about, it said, it said it'd take 30 minutes to assemble, but it took me about 45 <laughs> because, you know, it just takes a bit longer. I feel like those, when they give you like the time on instructions, I bought a nice chair, by the way, like it's nice. It's like PU lever. So I don't know if that's real or not. Um, and it's got like a back cushion and like a neck cushion. It's like really, it's really comfortable. It's a great chair. And, um, sitting in it now doing this, I, I feel quite comfortable before I was quite sl sl slouched, slouched over. Like I didn't really want to, you know, 
sit up straight, but this kind of promotes sitting up straight. Oh my god! Sorry, it's been a rough couple of days. A long, not rough, long, just long. But it's like when they put that the times in there for assembly. It's like yeah, that's 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 like best case scenario when like the reality. If you've ever put together something from like Kmart, Target, or anything like that. When they say 20 minutes, you're looking at hours, you know, like unless you're really proficient for me personally, it takes me about an hour to put most things together, even if they're like super simple. Like I think it took me to put two stands on a TV. It took me like, I think it was half an hour (laughs) to like sort it out, you know, put the, make sure they're slotted in and make sure they're all sitting in there really, really nice. Yeah, so, you know, look, hopefully I'm going to, hopefully I don't have to assemble two things. I'd like to get to a point in my life where I could just get, like, my son over to just assemble things for me. You know what I mean? Like, it would be so good if I didn't have to, I know, like, it's a sense of accomplishment, but, like, mundane tasks, like, putting together a a bookshelf, (laughs) like, oh, I don't know. I'm not too much of a fan. I don't mind doing some stuff like drilling holes in walls and putting up shelves or hanging a painting. You know, I'd love to hang, I'd love to mount a TV. I'd love, I'd love to be able to do that in a place where I, um, where I lived. I'd like to be able to mount the TV and just have it at a nice eye level. I think what I've got the TV on now is actually quite now nice, but um, yeah, I'd like to be able to warm out something just so I can clear the space underneath, you know, so it doesn't have to be there, but you know, you don't want a TV to fall. You know, that's always like worst case scenario. I think worst case scenario is you hang a TV and then it all falls down. Like the wall, the house, everything, everything, everything. Anyway, um, what else we got? What was the hot topic? You know, there's like, I was thinking about it the other day and that, you, I could kind of talk about like clickbaity things, but then it would like, it would cease being from my mind. You know what I mean? Like it would be from, um, it would just be, it would just be like, it'd be like I'm creating it, creating this and changing everything that it stands for by talking about like weird clickbaity things. So things that like don't matter to me. You know, like uh, I, I would be funding and helping talk about someone else's stuff. And don't don't you think it's nice to like come in here and talk about like, well, I talk about it. <laughs> I talk about it and you guys have to listen to it. But isn't it nice that you can come on and listen and just listen to like an, a not necessarily nothing conversation and find out some weird movie facts or like how, you know, the dynamics of like, kitchens work isn't that like a nice thing to like come and like separate yourself from all the hustle and bustle of the world as it were because there's so much going on in the world right now you know in 2021 than there is in most years like the the mainstream value of information is so vast it's like i was saying last episode you know it's this massive like blanket and like broadcast of information that 
we get surrounded in and covered in all day. And I'm not trying to get too deep. I'm just like, it's just on my mind. So I want to talk about it, but it's so, it's so vast and it's so easy for everybody to have an opinion and for everybody's opinions and voices to be heard. And, but it's also so easy for everyone's voice to get lost in amongst this. Like, yeah, I'm not expecting to get super, super famous from this. I don't, I don't necessarily want that. I, I think I want people to just find something that they're relatable to. You know, I think at the end of the day, that's what I want from this. You know, I want like, and I want me, you know, myself to be able to be happy with like the content that I am doing and happy with it. You know, like, like I said before, it's easy to make like clickbaity things and just jump on like the coattails of a conversation and drag that one through the mud and drag it out and get some weird opinion on it. But I'm just, I don't enjoy that like conversation. I don't enjoy that topical discussion. Like I don't enjoy talking about things that everybody wants to talk about it. Like there's, I've always been like that. I've always been like I've always wanted to be a part of like the non-conformist conversation. Like I'd much rather talk about anything else. (laughs) I'd rather talk about Jim Morrison in the sixties, you know, or like how Jimi Hendrix went from playing out of the army at hard rock cafe to them playing like one of the world's biggest festivals in Woodstock, you know, like I'd rather talk about those things. I'd rather talk about how spheres are coming back <laughs> in the kitchens, which I'm not happy about. I'm not happy <laughs> with how spheres are coming back. I don't like spheres. Peter Gilmore, shout out Peter Gilmore. You did nothing but great work, but you know, I don't want to do spheres. You know how hard it is to make a sphere when you don't have molds. That's the other thing too. Like a lot of like stuff you see on TV is so much more accomplishable now than it was back when I was younger because there's so much like things tailored to it because things can get ready-madely cheap, um, like silicon molds and like silicon mats and all that stuff. Like back in the day, you had to buy the absolute creme de la creme of the gear, you know, like Silpat mats and stuff. Like you had to buy nice things to create nice things, but now you can literally go to Kmart and get silicon molds. Like you could, you couldn't do that. You couldn't even buy a whisk at Kmart. You know, like that's how much like hospitality and like the world, like convenience. You know, that's the big thing to take away from this is like everything's so convenient these days. Like. And I'm okay with it. Like, I don't want it to be like, oh, we need to go back to the dark ages, man. Like, we need to like grow our own vegetables. And like, it's a, it's, it goes, it's both ways, man. Hey, like, you know, there's people that, you know, grow and produce their own produce and give it to restaurants. And there's restaurants that are happy to grow their own produce or buy independently from farmers instead of through like major manufacturers to like get all their produce and food and do things like in a nice, like simplistic way. But then there's other, like the other side of the coin is like places that are specifically designed to have essentially like a ready-made meal that the workplace or whatever just has to heat and serve, you know, like I'm for me personally, I've got, I suffer from this horrible thing called professional pride. And a lot of my friends have it too. It's like, we can't, 
it's harder for us just to open a packet and pour it out and serve it professionally. Like it's easy to do at home. I'm not ragging on anyone that does it at home, but like when you're paying $24 for someone to buy, say you're paying like 28 bucks for a pulled pork burger, right? And they haven't baked a Vienna roll or they haven't, you know, this place, all they do is they buy the rolls, they buy the pork already pulled, they buy the barbecue, you know, smoky barbecue sauce from down the shop and then they buy the chips you know what i mean like the all of that is gonna cost let's say eight dollars right for all of the components let's say to put it on a plate it's four dollars fifty all right and then they're charging twenty eight dollars for it you don't learn anything like that guy in the kitchen does not learn anything all that happens is that it's a cash grab all that happens is they make eight dollars off for like of something like that now like on the other side of the coin you pay thirty two dollars for like fresh pulled pork right barbecue sauce handmade handmade rolls handmade coleslaw you know what I mean like um hand cut chips and you pay 30 bucks for that, but you get double the amount. You know what I'm saying? You go to a barbecue shop and you get that, or you pay less, you get all of that and you pay 12 bucks, but it's all fresh done. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's this hard thing. It's like this really bad balance of like high cost, low cost that happens in hospitality. You know, like people drum up these prices for things they don't even make. And then the people that make it, because it's priced accordingly to how much everything costs, they can sell for cheaper. You know, like it's this crazy thing. You would think that like fresh to order is going to cost more than um, ready to eat, let's call it. You know what I mean? Like a la carte lost its meaning of being a la carte when people start sharpening scissors to go into work instead of polishing knives, man. Hey, you know, that's the crazy thing about hospitality is that like it just. Uh, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. The high cost, low cost, like mentality, eh? like, like, you know, you want to spend less, but make more money, you know, like the, the reality is of any restaurant or establishment that in the first year or even the first six months, you won't make money. You'll just break even, even if you're really, really good at managing costs, you can't manage people and like season dependability. You know what I mean? Like if you, had everything right down to the numbers, say every day you're going to open, you're going to make $800. That's not even guaranteed because you can't guarantee that people will walk into your place and spend money. That's just a reality. You know, like you can't, you can't control people. You can't control people to say you have to eat here five nights a week. You can't say that to a hundred people and they all come on opposite, you know, opposing five days and they all spend $200 each. You know what I mean? Hang on. <laughs> I just scream it out. Get get rid of the yawns. Hang on. I'll just sip with some Walter, some Chateau Agua. And I'm talking about this because I want people that aren't in hospitality to understand that you can't just open a cafe because you see people have successful cafes. You can't just see it as a cash grab. Like hospitality is an all or nothing industry. Like it's such a, you've got to put everything you have into it. And it's the same as your dreams. You know, there's got to be a point where you, you can't be 
one foot in, one foot out. You know, if you want to do this, then you got to go and do it. You know, you got to put everything you can into it, not even financially, like mentally and physically. Like if you want to make that place work, then you've got to do the things. You've got to like follow the follow the procedures and do it right and make it worth it. Even if you're buying things in, you've got to like back up that customer service. You've got to like, you can't just be a silent partner that micromanages. I spoke about last episode, you know, like micromanage is like the biggest detriment to like hospitality. But people that, you know, have worked in, uh, I don't know, like been a public servant for 40 years and then are bored and want to do, something different so they buy a cafe and then they don't make money in the first year and it's like a failure you know what i mean it's not a failure it's not because like you need to you need to try you need to stick it out for 3 years i reckon 3 years if you're not making money in a hospitality like cafe restaurant then then it's time to hang it up you know like it should be a 3 to 5 year plan it shouldn't be a year plan if you start making money in hospitality a year a year into like a cafe or a restaurant, then hey, props to you, man, eh? Because that's a hard thing to do. Like I said, people aren't guaranteed. You know, that's a part of like, that's like, you know, that's borderline dictatorship. If you want people, if you're commanding people, uh, is, is that right? Because you're dictating what people think in life. That's right. That's dictatorship, right? So you're dictating what everybody comes and eats here. You can't do that, man, eh? Like you can't expect all these people to come in and do it right like i said you know i get angry and i get cranky and i get like enthusiastic it's because i care so much about my industry you know like when it changes hands and when i'm not in it anymore i'll still probably be as passionate as i am because i still love it you know that was it's like my first love of a job is food is hospitality for sure like that's that's what I like about it. I like everything about it. I like being able to execute menus. I like being able to execute dishes. I like being able to cut onions, man. I like everything. I like the top to the bottom. I like calling tickets. I like running the line. I like cooking on the line, you know, like I like letting the pans dance, man. You know, I'm a fast tango and fast talking, straight shooting, double dunking, donuts, triple shotting kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Sorry, I won't get too riled up because, yeah, I can. I can get riled up because I've got a lot, a lot of energy to burn today. I know it doesn't seem it because of the yawning, but I've got a lot. I've got a lot to talk about. Excuse me, just sipping the Chateau Agua. Ah, oh, sorry. It's someone. I don't know if you can hear it, but someone's mowing their lawn. Because this is what happens every time <laughs> I do a podcast. Is someone mows? You probably feed it out. I stopped mentioning it most of the time because it's just super, super annoying. But look, if, if you want to join hospitality, do it, man, because there's it's 50-50. You either love it or hate it. You know, there's no one that just thinks it's okay. The people that think it's like, oh, it's all right. It's okay. They're the people that shouldn't be in it. You know, like it's not an industry that you half guess and half step, you know, like it's an industry that you, you, you got to love because it'll love you back eventually. <laughs> it's never right away, you know, but it will, it will eventually give back. And when it gives back, it comes in tenfold, you know, that's how I see it. That's how I'm doing it now. You know, like I feel, um, I feel loved by the industry now, especially now more than ever. You know, I feel like the industry loves me more than it loved me eight years ago or 10 years ago, you know, for sure. 
That's what I love about it. And I love it. Everything's great about it. Ah, you know. There's always things that suck in any job, but yeah. Anyway, well, I'll stop banging on. I'll stop banging on about it because, you know, you guys will start getting sick of hearing it. But do you want to hear a story? I've got I've got a good one, right? <laughs> so um I worked at the I worked at this place. I always say the place. I never name and shame place because that's just not my GMA, you know. I call I call this um um the <laughs> this this guy I won't say his real name, but he's an absolute warrior, you know, he's a cool dude. And um it's just a just a like a prep horse man, eh? You know, like he could prep any menu and he was big and fast. He's like this big dude and um he's an older bloke, but he's you know, he's a nice guy, he's he's top notch. But um I'll never forget like a couple of like yeah, instance with him, but I'll just tell you this one. He um we're getting ready for this massive function, you know, it was about like um I think it was a hundred person function, but the way this function was set up, it was set up like um like a like a like a food market kind of thing, you know, like it, it would have like different stalls and stuff. So you had to prep so a hundred people, but you gotta prep eight stalls, you know what I mean? So you have to prep a hundred, let's say for example, a hundred portions on each store because you don't know what people are going to grab and eat. You know what I'm saying? So you got to have all of them prepped up, stocked up, backed up, right? Um, so, um, you know, it can get busy. And there, he, this, this guy, this uh, Senor Lekransky, right? He had to, um, <laughs> he had to like cook these cutlets, and you know, this guy's like, ah. Senor Lekransky, we need, we need cutlets, right? Then, oh, they weren't mulling. I was chopping a tree down. Ah, how about that? Just a little update. They weren't mowing. They were chopping a tree. Hence why it was a little bit loud. Um, <laughs> anyway, big, 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 uh, Lekransky is, um, <laughs> He's like, all right, no worries, no worries, brother. <laughs> he like gets all these lamb cutlets, turns on this char grill. It's like a massive like char grill. It's the size of like like a probably a, a six person dinner table, you know, like oh no, it's not that big, it's about a four person dinner table, a rectangle, right? It's a big one. It's pretty big. And he opens all the cutlets, and there's like heaps of cutlets, man. Eh? There's like I reckon uh, about 200 cutlets do they. And a normal person would do them like, you know, just take them out of the packet, seal them, and then put them on trays. But not like Lekransky, Le- eh? <laughs> like he puts all the cutlets in the box, like in the in the meat box. They come in a box, right? And he's like, open them up, pop, popped them in there, like taking them out of the individual packets, pops them in there, olive oil, salt, gives him like a big toss and, you know, he's got these big hands, man. Like he's moving around, moving around and he just picks him up on his shoulder and goes, Foo! <laughs> like straight on the char grill and he's got two tongs. He's like, pew, 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 moving around so they all get equal heat, man. Hey, I've never seen someone cook so many cutlets at one time <laughs> so quickly, man. Hey, you know, like you had, like I said, a, a lot of lamb cutlets, about 200 of them. And just, <laughs> on the char grill, bam, 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 you know, like killing it, Sli- like yeah, slamming it, man, eh? 
right? These, you know, older guy, workhorse, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, I got nothing respect for you, man, eh? because you're you're a solid worker, solid work ethic. And um, uh, (laughs) it's just cool, man, eh? like you really see like those old school guys doing like old school things, eh? you know, like everyone's pretty prim and proper, you know, top knots and tattoos, man, eh? like that's generally, you know, they're all prim and proper and looking really niche you know, as it were. Um, they've all got bloody neck tattoos now, don't they? Jeez. Oh, look, I'm not against like neck tattoos, but I don't know. I feel like it's a fashion thing, you know, like anyway. I won't get onto it. Maybe I'll do that the next episode. I'll talk more about like tattoos. Cause I've got a few tattoos, but I'm not like, I don't have a neck one. <laughs> I don't know if I could ever get a neck one. Sorry. I'm adjusting the, the lower lumbar of my chair, you know? All right. As you can hear, you can't see it, but as you can hear, we're at the end of our show, right? And you know what that means? Time for some, some, some quick plugs. So as always, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it, all of you. I know we had a bit of a layoff. You know, we did the Welcome to Thirty, like the big hour and a half show. So, you know, that, that hopefully tied everyone over for a little bit. But now we're coming back. We're coming back in a big way. We'll be doing the, we'll be doing them. Um, I might try and double up this week. See, I'm going for time on. See, I'm going for time on a day. Which day? Um, a day. No. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. We'll see how we're going for time this week, and I'll see if I can pump out another one. I'll do like maybe a, a really quick one. We'll see how we go. But um, uh, yeah, yeah. I reckon. I reckon we'll be able to do it. Um, but look. You can always follow the journey of the My Mind with Stephen Taylor podcast. You can follow the Instagram, which is My Mind, uh, My Mind Podcast with no vowels. That's M Y M N D P D C S T. Bam, done. Right. Or you can send an email if you have any questions or stories. Or um, hey, maybe you want some merch. I'll put in my Instagram. If you follow the Instagram page, I'll put it in the story. I'll put like the um the coffee mug that i got if you want a coffee mug you know hit me up and we'll discuss uh we'll discuss some uh financial <laughs> ways or, or, or I'll, I'll tell you how you know ways you can do it i don't know if we'll do a raffle or anything i'm just happy for um you know if you want to pay some money to get some merch like we'll sort it out we'll get some stuff done but i'll put a photo up of um some merch some merch man hey i gotta get some of that merch man hey right you can send uh emails to mymindpodcast at gmail.com and as always look hey thanks jay kirks because you're listening jay kirks i see you man i see you (laughs) hopefully you're hanging in for the end for this little plug to you jay kirks for leaving me a review thanks man hey i appreciate five stars um I appreciate that. And, you know, you can follow Jay Kirk's in what he's done. And he's left a very kind review on iTunes, which is, which is awesome. You know, if you leave five stars there and give a positive review, just tell him, just say, Hey, look, he's honest. He's good. He's honest. And he doesn't talk about the stuff that everybody's talking about. So that's good too. Right. Right. Maybe, maybe next week I'll try and line it up 
and we'll do we'll do like a Sopranos episode. We'll do um well yeah we'll pick I'll, I'll, I'll talk to one of my friends and we'll do like we'll rate the the seasons from like one to seven. How about that? Excited for that? Does everybody like Sopranos? You'll like Sopranos after this. Uh, I'm sure of it. I'm sure. Maybe we'll work towards that in a couple of months. I won't just spring on you. That's just a good idea I had, you know. But look, you can also follow the Facebook page, which is My Mind uh, with Stephen Taylor Podcast or My Mind Podcast, you know, one of those two. There's a group and a page. You can follow both of them. And um, I, I, I generally post in there <laughs> not as regularly as I'd like to you know if I'm honest I've, I've been really slack because of the school holidays and that but I'm trying to work out a way I need I need I need more time to work out social media because it's hard it's hard for me right guys it's really hard but look thank you all for listening I do appreciate it and um, we'll do this again all right see you next time <laughs>